And then when you wake up in the morning, wide awake and alert, rested as if you'd had a full night's sleep, you know, feeling wonderful, pop out of bed, eyes open. The dream you remember is the one you've incubated. Grab the journal, write it down, even if it's just a piece of the puzzle. Dreams are the high road to the unconscious mind. And that is the path to the wisdom of the soul. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Well, good morning and welcome to today's episode of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. The class actually is Wisdom of the Soul. Tell your friends to search for Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, however, whether it's the YouTube channel or a podcast or just Google in general. And uh, today we're going to talk about sleep and dreams. So we'll also do an opening meditation and maybe compare and contrast a little bit the difference between meditation and sleep bit of a follow-on maybe to last week's comparison of meditation and contemplation. But uh, there's a set of really wonderful tools that I'm going to offer you today, really simple little techniques around going to sleep, uh, going back to sleep. Lots of people have no problem going to sleep, but when they awaken in the middle of the night for whatever reason, they may have difficulty going back to sleep. So we'll talk about that. A little about the nature of sleep cycles and dream cycles, how to remember your dreams, how to understand your dreams, how to incubate dreams. How about that? How to, well, in a sense, program a dream to be about something you wish to dream about for very, very practical reasons to incubate a dream to contain information, very practical, real world information to help you solve a problem. It's quite remarkable. And also how to wake up without an alarm clock simply by forming the intention, uh, kind of an introduction to the amazing accuracy of your own internal clock. When you wake up, when you form an intention gently as you go to sleep to wake up at a particular time and then you find yourself waking up at exactly that time. I mean, you could set your clocks by it. You have to wonder, my Lord, how is this possible? Again, it's a if nothing else, a tribute to the nature of the unconscious mind. Who's keeping track of what time it is? Well, the unconscious. You mean even when I'm asleep? Yes, especially when you're asleep. So uh, 
that's a little bit of what we have in store for us today. And uh, as I said in the newsletter, in the show notes this week, I think it's odd that most people have so little interest in sleep and dreams since we spend a third of our lives asleep. Some animals sleep even more than that. Some animals hibernate for months at a time. And it sort of begs the question, why? Uh, We'll touch on this a little, but that would be another show to go deeply into the nature of why we sleep and what are some of the benefits of sleep. Just off the top of my head, I can tell you one benefit is the apparent transference of memory from short-term to long-term. There are a series of decisions made, most of them unconsciously, about what's important enough to transfer to long-term memory. So that's some of what we'll touch on. I do want to begin, as usual, with an opening meditation. And I'm going to put a little technique in today's meditation as well, called the three-finger technique. And I'll explain what that is and how it works. Three. Eyes open now. Open your eyes, wide awake, alert, back in the room, feeling rested and refreshed, and stretch a little bit this way, stretch a little bit that way. And maybe another nice, big, slow, deep breath like you're waking up in the morning. <sighs> Welcome back, feeling better than before. Feeling better and better and better. Good. Cheers. All right, let's talk about sleep and dreams a little bit. Why don't we begin with the idea of waking up without an alarm clock? This is stunning for many people. And you may be doing it already. How many times in your life have you set an alarm clock and woke up one minute before the alarm went off? Or two minutes before the alarm went off. How did you know? That's the question. What does that? Keep in mind that the mind itself, which is not the brain, the mind is a concept of awareness or consciousness. Your whole body is enveloped by your mind. Think of an egg-shaped sphere around you that envelops you, embraces you. That's the mind. And it's an extension of the Buddhic mind, which is the plane of all souls, which is an extension of the one mind, the creator, the divinity, the absolute. You can think of these like a telescope extending, you know, a collapsible telescope that extends, or uh, one of those uh, ferrite rods. I think that's what they're called, those antennas and the old radios that you would pull up. The one life extending out, the one mind extending out to the buddhic plane of all souls, and then extending from there, incarnating. Or like uh, nesting dolls, Russian dolls. Whether the absolute is the center doll, 
and the plane of the soul surrounds it and physical incarnation surrounds that. It works the other way too. The one life is the surrounding Tao and just inside that is the buddhic plane and just inside that at the center is the separated self. Works both ways, doesn't really matter. So you have one mind that is a fragment of the capital O, one mind. It's not like you have an unconscious mind and a conscious mind. The conscious mind is just a tip of the unconscious. And when we say we're awake for roughly 16 hours a day and we sleep roughly eight hours a day, that's just the one mind becoming aware of itself and then becoming unaware of itself to a large degree. When we say that person is asleep, therefore they are unconscious, keep in mind that you respond to external noises. Somebody yells at you, you'll jump up. Or if the alarm clock goes off, you're aware of it. So how unconscious could you be when you're asleep? What I'd like to do is share with you a screenshot real quickly here. These are the four basic channels. Uh, actually, there's five in this graph. Gamma is included, this top channel. But essentially, we usually talk about brainwaves as four channels. So let's begin at the bottom with the red channel, the delta wave, which is labeled here, one half of a cycle to four hertz cycles per second. And you see these are very slow, somewhat irregular, but very slow brain waves. And on the chart it says that it corresponds to detached awareness, healing, and deep, what's called NREM sleep. NREM is non-rapid eye movement. It means non-dreaming sleep. The next channel, a little more active, is theta, 4 to 7 hertz, 4 to 7 cycles per second, which is associated with deep meditation, intuition, REM sleep. And you'll notice it's a little more active. And rapid eye movement is a phenomenon. It's a back and forth that you can see under closed eyelids. If you ever watch somebody sleep, you may notice it in your dog or, or your cat when they sleep. They, When they dream, their bodies may twitch also, but especially in human beings, it's very common to notice this left-right, left-right, left-right rolling, gentle rolling of the eyeball under the closed lid. Rapid eye movement, REM activity, and the brain is emanating the electromagnetic signals that the brain always emanates, the frequency increases to roughly four to seven cycles. And so we know the person is asleep and dreaming. Delta, deep non-dream sleep. Theta, sleeping but dreaming. Then the celebrated alpha brainwave level is 
according to this chart, seven and a half to 12, I would say seven or eight to 12 cycles per second. I think of the target being 10 hertz right in the middle. This is uh, mild meditation. Let's see, what do they say in the chart? I have to zoom in a little bit here because uh, it's white. It says relaxation, visualization, and creativity. So your meditation is likely to take you to alpha. When you lose track of your body, you know the experience of meditating and you lose track of your body? You don't know where your arms are. Or maybe you have an experience of being out of your body. Or the body is sinking into the bed. Or you're floating up above the furniture. That's most likely theta. That's the same level where you experience dreams while asleep. You can access theta with consciousness. Delta, not likely that you can generate delta brain waves and still be conscious. Four cycles is the point where you fall asleep. So it's possible to be in theta while you're awake. It's just a very deep, profound meditation. And then alpha is the commonplace of meditation. Beta, our friend Beta, <laughs> is wide awake. Uh, the chart, it says alertness and cogitation. And this goes all the way up to, according to this chart, 30 cycles. My education says beta goes to 40 cycles per second. And this is, again, this is your wide awake state. This is you wake up in the morning, beta, bang, right out of the gate. Have a cup of coffee, a Red Bull, bang, beta. Jump in the shower, start thinking about your busy day, check your calendar, look at the clock, more and more stimulus, higher and higher into the beta range. Feeling more scattered, harder to focus, impossible to concentrate. Just so much going on. And gamma, which I'm glad is on this chart because we've known about gamma waves for, gosh, 30 years or more. But we don't know very much about why they're generated or what they correspond to. There's some evidence that gamma waves correspond to states of elation, of uh, extreme happiness and joy. But uh, there's just not any really any hard evidence. And also, if you look at an EEG, you're not going to see the wave represented as one or another of these channels. You'll often see let's say you're meditating, you're watching a meditator, you'll see a predominance of alpha waves, but you may see an occasional beta wave racing through the center of that, or every once in a while a nice slow theta wave. They tend sometimes to overlap a little bit or to coincide, but nevertheless, we're talking about when we say, well, you're in the beta level, you're scattered, you're wide awake, you're, you're meditating, you're in alpha. Oh, you have visual imagery, uh, hypnagogic imagery, a dream state. You're probably in theta then. 
that's the predominant brainwave of that particular state of mind. So I wanted to review this with you. So going to sleep, you can either think of it as lowering your brain waves so that you fall asleep or falling asleep and the brain waves correspond. And I'm sort of biased, and I think a lot of scientists are biased in that we think of the brain wave as the primary uh, symptom, side effect, uh, corollary uh, to states of consciousness or levels of awareness. Because it's the brain, and there are electrical frequencies, and and the, the changing of those frequencies is so clear. But there are many other corollaries to your levels of consciousness. Uh, you know, the higher in beta you go, for example, the more stimulated will be the fight-or-flight center in the limbic brain, and you'll produce more adrenaline and, and more cortisol. Uh, galvanic skin response changes, or the temperature of the extremities of your body uh, will actually warm as you become more relaxed. And when you're stimulated, that warm blood is driven by the uh, shrinking of the capillaries into the larger veins and arteries in the center of your body. And so it's a very small change, but your hands and feet uh, become a little cooler when you get stressed. And uh, I mentioned the adrenaline and the cortisol. Uh, the pupils of your eyes will dilate. And uh, it's just a number of changes, but we like brain waves, okay? So when you get into the alpha brainwave state, remember we talked a few weeks ago about this reticular activating formation, almost as if there's a valve, not a physical valve, but just as kind of a teaching aid or a corollary between the conscious and the unconscious that dilates, that expands when we become relaxed. And there's less resistance as we become more relaxed to communication between the conscious and the unconscious, which means the unconscious becomes more amenable to suggestion. Learning is accelerated. Understanding is enhanced, amplified, or accelerated. Uh, if you go through a list of vocabulary words, trying to learn new words while you're stressed out, it'll take many more repetitions to memorize than if you were deeply relaxed. It would take far fewer repetitions. So, just like the three-finger technique, we did that in a state of deep relaxation. So, you don't have to practice that. You learned it. It's done. It's in there, right? So, too, when you lay on the bed and, you know, pump up your pillow and say your prayers and you're ready to go to sleep and you've fleshed out all the thoughts that seem to demand your attention and you're ready, really, to fall asleep, you're in alpha. You've already moved into a meditative state and you're very suggestible in this state of mind it's very important to be positive when you're deeply relaxed you're more resistant to negative thinking in high stress states but you're very amenable 
You've plowed the ground and cultivated the garden. It's ready for the seeds. And as you get more and more relaxed, it's real important to stay positive. So here's an example of just telling yourself, first of all, what time it is. Look at your watch. Look at your phone. Look at the clock on the bed uh, bedside table to see what time it is. And then with your eyes closed, nice and relaxed, tell yourself what time you want to wake up. You can reinforce that by visualizing a clock in your mind's eye, an old analog clock with a minute hand and an hour hand, reading the time that you know it, in fact, it is. And then without physically moving, just imagine reaching out and turning that minute hand around and around and around, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., turn it around until whatever time you want to wake up, 5.30, 7.30, for me it would be 9.30, <laughs> whatever, whatever time you want to wake up. And then imagine reaching around on the back of the clock, that old-fashioned wind-up alarm clock, and pull the pin. You don't have to do that visualizing. It's a nice little adjunct, a little reinforcement when you first begin the technique. All you really have to do is tell yourself one time. You don't have to chant or repeat. Just, I will wake up at this particular time, 7.45. And I'll be wide awake and alert and well-rested. This works even if you've only got 90 minutes to take a nap. And you really need five hours of sleep, but you've only got 90 minutes, so you're going to take a nap. And you tell yourself, I'll probably feel horrible when I wake up. And guess what? You feel horrible when you wake up. Why not say, well, I need four or five hours because I didn't sleep last night. Baby kept me up, whatever. So I'll just take a 90-minute nap. And when I wake up at this time that I have in my mind, my intention, I'll be wide awake, rested, refreshed, alert, as if I'd had eight hours of healthy, natural sleep. You get what you expect. You reap what you sow. Watch your language. Get smart about this. And if we're talking about a routine of your overnight sleep, add to that, I'll wake up at this time feeling rested, refreshed, alert, wide awake, as if I'd had eight or more hours of healthy, natural sleep. And I'll remember and understand my dreams. It's up to you. If you don't want to do the dream work, fine. But if you'd like to practice, and I told you I'd introduce you today to some of this, then add that to your little going-to-sleep ritual. And I'll remember and understand when I wake up in the morning one of my dreams. If you go to sleep and say, and I want to remember and understand my dreams when I wake up, you may wake up after every dream. So <laughs> you need to be literal and specific. In the morning when I wake up, at this time, I will remember and understand at least one of my dreams. And then you keep a dream journal on the table beside your bed. And yeah, you could use a like just a spiral ring notebook or a yellow pad and a pencil, but 
What I recommend is that you consecrate it. Your unconscious mind is watching you. And if you go out and invest $20, $25 in a nice journal, something hardbound, something handsome, you know, a, a, like a hardbound book with blank pages, and then you buy a nice pen. I'm not saying you have to spend $200 on a block fountain pen, but just something above the 39 cent throwaway Bic pen. Maybe you spend $15 on a refillable nice ballpoint or, or maybe even a fountain pen if you dig that. A lot of people are into calligraphy and they like the feel of a fountain pen and the way the ink flows and all of that. So just invest a few bucks in a decent journal and a decent pen, ballpoint pen, something refillable instead of throwaway. And the unconscious goes, oh, far out. This is really cool. All of a sudden, we care about our dreams. That's consecrating, imbuing the book, you see, with intention and you only put your dreams in this book. You would not jot down a phone number. That would be sacrilege. See, you don't write recipes or make notes to friends and then tear the pages out. This is your dream journal. Treat it with <laughs> treat it with dignity and respect. Love, love, love. Your dream journal makes a difference. You're going to be much better at remembering and understanding your dreams when you do this. So the first thing when you wake up in the morning is to jot down, even if it's just a fragment or two, of what you recall about the dream. Do not concern yourself with understanding the symbolism of the dream at this point. Simply put the day and date, right? And a little fragment of the dream. And as you begin to write the dream fragment, it may unfold for you. And so you write a little more and a little more. And sometimes that unfolding continues. And you may end up writing several paragraphs. But even if it's just this tiny little scene, this little snapshot or fragment of a dream, jot it down. Close the book. You know, go to the restroom and get start getting ready for your day. And then once a week or so, you sit down, pick up the dream book, and take five or ten minutes to flip back through what you've written over the last week. And you see the dreams in context. And now you begin to see patterns and tendencies and trends. And the symbolism is much more likely given this intervening time to make sense to you. There are dream books. The problem is some dream symbols are universal, like Jungian archetypes. But some dream symbols are cultural. And many dream symbols are personal. So the dream book can help you at the beginning to get a sense of symbolism. If you're a creative writer or a poet and you understand symbolism and allegory and metaphor, 
so much the better. One of the things I like about remembering and understanding dreams is you take that into your waking life. And with odd synchronicities or uh, meaningful coincidences or coincidences that appear to be meaningful occur, you can say to yourself, ha, huh, if this were a dream, what would it mean? And that's a technique. If this were a dream, what would it mean technique? <laughs> a way of looking at life as if it were a dream, symbolically, right? If a number comes up to you as a magical number, and you're an intelligent uh, empiricist, don't be too quick to dismiss those coincidences. Numbers are ratios. Numbers are things. Letters are numbers. It's a whole science called gematria. Just be playful with it. it don't be limited by it. See, it is an expansive way of understanding. It's not a matter of superstition or magical thinking. If it triggers your wonder and your awe and far out, and then it, be, it begins to happen more and more. I've Back in the day when I was playing records on the radio, people would sometimes call and say, you played that record for me, didn't you? And I said, no, what are you talking about, you know? They said, well, that, you know, I was just thinking about that record. I wanted to hear that record, and then you played it. We're obviously connected. And I go, well, okay, but, and sometimes even more meaningful than that. I've had people who are clearly schizophrenic show up at the radio station and say they were responding to my veiled and symbolic speech to them as if I was speaking to, the, to them directly over the radio. So it gets into the field of uh, the incredible uh, magical thinking, which is just dis completely disconnected from reality, or, you know, madness, schizophrenia, complete delusion. But it's a fine line sometimes, between genius and madness, you don't always know. Like the savant children, well, who often grow up to be savant adults who, like Rain Man, can't tie their shoes, but can do these remarkable math problems or tell you what day of the week, any date you throw out 200 years ago or 400 years in the future, and they go, oh, that's a Wednesday. So it's like the genius is somehow incorporated as in a savant, someone often on the spectrum, with uh, a severe inability or disability. Very strange. It's a wonderful time to, to be alive, to begin to uh, research this and recognize this. Now, the how to go to sleep. You've heard about counting sheep. Let me speak on this very, very briefly. If you're going to count, which is a pretty good technique for going to sleep because it just bores the hell out of you, do not count up. It doesn't have to be sheep jumping over a fence. 
it could just be counting down. You don't want to count up. You want to count down. And if you get to the bottom, if you get to number one and you're still awake, then do it again. But here is a technique that people have been using successfully for, I don't know, a hundred years or more. In your mind's eye, on those nights when you have a hard time falling asleep or going back to sleep in the middle of the night, visualize a, either a, a blackboard, a chalkboard, a dry erase whiteboard, and put the number 99 on that board in your mind's eye and draw a circle around it. And then with your left hand or your non-dominant hand, Carefully erase the number 99, being careful not to erase any of the circle. And put the number 98 in the center of the circle. And outside the circle and to the lower right, watch yourself writing the word deeper. D-E-E-P-E-R. And feel yourself going a little deeper, as if down the staircase, a little more relaxed. Then erase the number 98. Be very careful not to get any of the circle and get the number 98 all erased. And write the number 97 on the board in your mind's eye and retrace the word deeper. Reminding yourself that, in fact, you're going deeper and more relaxed. And then erase the number 97, put the number 96 in there, retrace the word deeper. Frankly, I've never gotten to 90. Never, never, never hit 90. The unconscious picks up on this real quickly and goes, oh my God, we're not going to really do this all the way to the number one. And uh, it's taking the suggestion also of moving down, slowing down, going deeper, becoming more relaxed. And having seen that brainwave chart that I just displayed, you understand the corollary. You understand, listen to the words, we fall asleep, we wake up in the morning. Sleep is down, awake is up, right? So you see why it's foolish to count up and expect to go to sleep, count down, just like the deepening technique that we use in meditation. And then finally, to incubate a dream to be about what you want it to be about, you just add that language to your go to sleep, that I'll remember a dream, you know, I'll wake up at this particular time feeling wide awake and alert and rested and this time, I'll remember not just one of my dreams, but I'll remember a dream that'll contain information to help me solve the problem I have in mind. And allow yourself to fall asleep, holding that problem gently in the palm of your hand as if a fragile thing, feeling like this will be solved for you while you sleep. You no longer need to concern yourself with it. You turn it over to your soul. You turn it over to Jesus. You, you turn it over to the Lord Almighty. You turn it over to all the saints and sages, all the ancestors, all the animal spirits, whatever your belief system. 
turn it over, let it go. Feel that letting go. I'll remember and understand the dream that contains information to help me solve the problem I have in mind. And then when you wake up in the morning wide awake and alert, rested as if you'd had full night's sleep, you know, feeling wonderful, pop out of bed, eyes open. The dream you remember is the one you've incubated. Grab the journal, write it down, even if it's just a piece of the puzzle. Dreams are the high road to the unconscious mind, and that is the path to the wisdom of the soul. <laughs>